0: CHAPTER THREE OF THE DEATH OF IVAN by BALIO TOLSTOY. THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. Such was Ivan Ilyitch's life for seventeen years after his marriage. He had been by now a long-while prosecutor, and had refused several appointments offered him, looking out for a more desirable post, when there occurred an unexpected incident which utterly destroyed his peace of mind. Ivan Ilyitch had been expecting to be appointed presiding judge in a university town, but a certain Gape somehow stole a march on him and secured the appointment. Ivan Ilyitch took offense, began upbraiding him, and quarreled with him and with his own superiors. A coolness was felt towards him, and on the next appointment that was made he was again passed over. This was in the year 1880. That year was the most painful one in Ivan Ilyitch's life during that year it became evident on the one hand that his pay was insufficient for his expenses on the other hand that he had been forgotten by every one and that what seemed to him the most monstrous the crudest injustice appeared to other people as a quite commonplace fact even his father felt no obligation to assist him he felt that every one had deserted him and that every one regarded his position with an income of three thousand five hundred roubles as a quite normal and even fortunate one He alone, with a sense of the injustice done him, and the everlasting nagging of his wife, and the debts he had begun to accumulate, living beyond his means, knew that his position was far from being normal. The summer of that year, to cut down his expenses, he took a holiday and went with his wife to spend the summer in the country at her brother's. In the country, with no official duties to occupy him, Ivan Ilyitch was for the first time a prey not to simple boredom but to intolerable depression, and he made up his mind that things could not go on like that, and that it was absolutely necessary to take some decisive steps. After a sleepless night spent by Ivan Ilyich walking up and down the terrace, he determined to go to Petersburg to take active steps and to get transferred to some other department so as to revenge himself on them, the people, that is, who had not known how to appreciate him. Next day, in spite of all the efforts of his wife and his mother-in-law to dissuade him, he set off to Petersburg. He went with a single object before him, to obtain a post with an income of five thousand. He was ready now to be satisfied with a post in any department, of any tendency, with any kind of work. He must only have a post, a post with five thousand, in the executive department, the banks, the railways, the Empress Maria's institutions even in the customs duties. What was essential was five thousand. And essential it was, too, to get out of the department in which they had failed to appreciate his value. And, behold, this quest of Ivan Ilyich's was crowned with wonderful, unexpected success. At Kursk there got into the same first-class carriage F. S. Ilyan, an acquaintance, who told him of a telegram just received by the governor of Kursk, announcing a change about to take place in the ministry. Pyotr Ivanovitch was to be superseded by Ivan Semyonovitch. The proposed change, apart from its significance for Russia, had special significance for Ivan Ilyich from the fact that, by bringing to the front a new person, Pyotr Petrovitch, and obviously, therefore, his friend Zahar Ivanovitch, it was in the highest degree propitious to Ivan Ilyich's own plans. Zahar Ivanovitch was a friend and schoolfellow of Ivan Ilyich's. At Moscow, the news was confirmed. On arriving at Petersburg, Ivan Ilyich looked up Zahar Ivanovich, and received a positive promise of an appointment in his former department, that of justice. A week later he telegraphed to his wife, Zahar Miller's place. At first report, I receive appointment. Thanks to these changes, Ivan Ilyich unexpectedly obtained, in the same department as before, an appointment which placed him two stages higher than his former colleagues, and gave him an income of five thousand, together with the official allowance of three thousand five hundred for travelling expenses. All his ill-humour with his former enemies and the whole department was forgotten, and Ivan Ilyich was completely happy. Ivan Ilyich went back to the country more light-hearted and good-tempered than he had been for a very long while. Praskovya Fyodorovna was in better spirits, too and peace was patched up between them. Ivan Ilyich described what respect every one had shown him in Petersburg, how all those who had been his enemies had been put to shame, and were cringing now before him, how envious they were of his appointment, and still more of the high favour in which he stood at Petersburg. Praskovya Fyodorovna listened to this, and pretended to believe it, and did not contradict him in anything but confined herself to making plans for her new arrangements in the town to which they would be moving. And Ivan Ilyich saw with delight that these plans were his plans, that they were agreed, and that his life after this disturbing hitch in its progress was about to regain its true, normal character of light-hearted agreeableness and propriety. Ivan Ilyich had come back to the country for a short stay only. He had to enter upon the duties of his new office on the 10th of September and besides he needed some time to settle in a new place to move all his belongings from the other province to purchase and order many things in addition in short to arrange things as settled in his own mind and almost exactly as settled in the heart too of Preskovya Fyodorovna. and now when everything was so successfully arranged and when he and his wife were agreed in their aim and were besides so little together They got on with one another as they had not got on together since the early years of their married life. Ivan Ilyich had thought of taking his family away with him at once, but his sister and his brother-in-law, who had suddenly become extremely cordial and intimate with him and his family, were so pressing in urging them to stay that he set off alone. Ivan Ilyich started off, and the light-hearted temper produced by his success and his good understanding with his wife, one thing backing up another, did not desert him all the time. He found a charming set of apartments—the very thing both husband and wife had dreamed of—spacious, lofty reception-rooms in the old style, a comfortable, dignified-looking study for him, rooms for his wife and daughter, a schoolroom for his son—everything as though planned on purpose for them. Ivan Ilyich himself looked after the furnishing of them, chose the wallpapers, bought furniture, by preference antique furniture, which had a peculiar Camille-Faux style to his mind, and it all grew up and grew up, and really attained the ideal he had set before himself. When he had half finished arranging the house, his arrangement surpassed his own expectations. He saw the Camille-Faux character, elegant and free from vulgarity, that the whole would have when it was all ready. As he fell asleep, he pictured to himself the reception-room as it would be, Looking at the drawing-room, not yet finished, he could see the hearth, the screen, the étagère, and the little chairs dotted here and there, the plates and dishes on the wall, and the bronzes, as they would be when they were all put in their places. He was delighted with the thought of how he would impress Prescovia and Lizanka, who had taste, too, in this line. They would never expect anything like it. He was particularly successful in coming across and buying cheap old pieces of furniture which gave a peculiarly aristocratic air to the whole. In his letters he purposely disparaged everything so as to surprise them. All this so absorbed him that the duties of his new office, though he was so fond of his official work, interested him less than he had expected. During sittings of the court he had moments of inattention. He pondered the question which sort of cornices to have on the window-blinds, straight or fluted, He was so interested in this business that he often set to work with his own hands, moved a piece of furniture, or hung up curtains himself. One day he went up a ladder to show a workman, who did not understand, how he wanted some hangings draped, made a false step and slipped, but, like a strong and nimble person, he clung on, and only knocked his side against the corner of a frame. The bruised place ached, but it soon passed off. Ivan Ilyich felt all this time particularly good-humoured and well. He wrote, "'I feel fifteen years younger.' He thought his house-furnishing would be finished in September, but it dragged on to the middle of October. But then the effect was charming. Not he only said so, but everyone who saw it told him so, too. In reality, it was all just what is commonly seen in the houses of people who are not exactly wealthy, but want to look like wealthy people, and so succeed only in being like one another. Hangings, dark wood, flowers, rugs, and bronzes, everything dark and highly polished, everything that all people of a certain class have, so as to be like all people of a certain class. And in his case, it was all so like that it made no impression at all but it all seemed to him somehow special. When he met his family at the railway station and brought them to his newly furnished rooms, all lighted up in readiness, and a footman in a white tie opened the door into an entry decorated with flowers, and then they walked into the drawing-room and the study, uttering cries of delight, he was very happy, conducted them everywhere, eagerly drinking in their praises and beaming with satisfaction. The same evening, while they talked about various things at tea, Praskovya Fyodorovna inquired about his fall, and he laughed, and showed them how he had gone flying, and how he had frightened the upholsterer. "'It's as well I'm something of an athlete. Another man might have been killed, and I got nothing worse than a blow here. When it's touched it hurts, but it's going off already, nothing but a bruise.' And they began to live in their new abode." which, as is always the case, when they had got thoroughly settled in, they found to be short of just one room, and with their new income, which, as always, was only a little, some five hundred roubles, too little, and everything went very well. Things went particularly well at first, before everything was quite finally arranged, and there was still something to do to the place, something to buy, something to order, something to move, something to make to fit. Though there were, indeed, several disputes between husband and wife, both were so well satisfied, and there was so much to do, that it all went off without serious quarrels. When there was nothing left to arrange, it became a little dull, and something seemed to be lacking. But then they were making acquaintances and forming habits, and life was filled up again. Ivan Ilyich, after spending the morning in the court, returned home to dinner— and at first he was generally in a good humor although this was apt to be upset a little and precisely on account of the new abode every spot on the tablecloth on the hangings the string of a window blind broken irritated him he had devoted so much trouble to the arrangement of the rooms that any disturbance of their order distressed him but on the whole the life of ivan ilyitch ran its course as according to his conviction life ought to do easily agreeably and decorously He got up at nine, drank his coffee, read the newspaper, then put on his official uniform and went to the court. There the routine of the daily work was ready mapped out for him, and he stepped into it at once. People with petitions, inquiries in the office, the office itself, the sittings, public and preliminary. In all this, the great thing necessary was to exclude everything with the sap of life in it, which always disturbs the regular course of official business." not to admit any sort of relations with people except the official relations the motive of all intercourse had to be simply the official motive and the intercourse itself to be only official a man would come for instance anxious for certain information ivan ilyitch not being the functionary on duty would have nothing whatever to do with such a man but if this man's relation to him as a member of the court is such as can be formulated on official stamped paper Within the limits of such a relation, Ivan Ilyich would do everything, positively everything he could, and in doing so would observe the semblance of human friendly relations, that is, the courtesies of social life. But where the official relation ended, there everything else stopped too. This art of keeping the official aspect of things, apart from his real life, Ivan Ilyich possessed in the highest degree, and through long practice and natural aptitude, He had brought it to such a pitch of perfection that he even permitted himself at times, like a skilled specialist, as it were, in jest, to let the human and official relations mingle. He allowed himself this liberty just because he felt he had the power at any moment, if he wished it, to take up the purely official line again and to drop the human relation. This thing was not simply easy, agreeable, and decorous. In Ivan Ilyitch's hands it attained a positively artistic character. In the intervals of business he smoked, drank tea, chatted a little about politics, a little about public affairs, a little about cards, but most of all about appointments in the service. And tired, but feeling like some artist who has skillfully played his part in the performance, one of the first violins in the orchestra, he returned home. At home his daughter and her mother had been paying calls somewhere, or else someone had been calling on them. The son had been at school, had been preparing his lessons with his teachers, and duly learning correctly what was taught at the high school. Everything was as it should be. After dinner, if there were no visitors, Ivan Ilyich sometimes read some book of which people were talking, and in the evening sat down to work, that is, read official papers, compared them with the laws. Sorted depositions and put them under the laws, this he found neither tiresome nor entertaining. It was tiresome when he might have been playing screw, but if there were no screw going on, it was anyway better than sitting alone or with his wife. Ivan Ilyitch's pleasures were little dinners to which he invited ladies and gentlemen of good social position and such methods of passing the time with them as were usual with such persons so that his drawing-room might be like all other drawing-rooms. Once they even gave a party—a dance. And Ivan Ilyich enjoyed it, and everything was very successful, except that it led to a violent quarrel with his wife over the tarts and sweetmeats. Praskovya Fyodorovna had her own plan, while Ivan Ilyich insisted on getting everything from an expensive pastry-cook, and ordered a great many tarts and the quarrel was because these tarts were left over and the pastry-cook's bill came to forty-five roubles the quarrel was a violent and unpleasant one so much so that Priskovya Fyodorovna called him fool imbecile and he clutched at his head and in his anger made some allusion to a divorce but the party itself was enjoyable there were all the best people and ivan ilyitch danced with princess trufinoff the sister of the one so well known in connection with the charitable association called Bear My Burden. His official pleasures lay in the gratification of his pride. His social pleasures lay in the gratification of his vanity. But Ivan Ilyich's most real pleasure was the pleasure of playing screw, the Russian equivalent for poker. He admitted to himself that, after all, after whatever unpleasant incidents there had been in his life the pleasure which burned like a candle before all others was sitting with good players and not noisy partners at screw and of course a forehand game playing with five was never a success though one pretends to like it particularly and with good cards to play a shrewd serious game then supper and a glass of wine and after screw especially after winning some small stakes winning large sums was unpleasant Ivan Ilyich went to bed in a particularly happy frame of mind. So they lived. They moved in the very best circle, and were visited by people of consequence, and young people. In their views of their circle of acquaintances, the husband, the wife, and the daughter were in complete accord, and without any expressed agreement on the subject, they all acted alike in dropping and shaking off various friends and relations shabby persons who swooped down upon them in their drawing-room with japanese plates on the walls and pressed their civilities on them soon these shabby persons ceased fluttering about them and none but the very best society was seen at the gullivines young men began to pay attention to lizanka and petrichev the son of Dmitri Ivanovitch Petrushev, and the sole heir of his fortune, an examining magistrate, began to be so attentive to Lizanka that Ivan Ilyich had raised the question with his wife whether it would not be as well to arrange a sledge-drive for them, or to get up some theatricals. So they lived, and everything went on in this way without change, and everything was very nice. End of chapter 3. Read by Laurie Walden.